All right, as always, a happy Friday from my family to yours. Hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving full of football, fun, and maybe a little bit of FanDuel, the official sponsor of the Pats Interference Podcast and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Uh, sometimes you need a little FanDuel with your Thanksgiving post-Turkey. Sitting on the couch, second half of Cowboys. Commanders is going a little slow. Yeah, I'll sprinkle a little bit. Keep uh, Grandpa from falling asleep on the couch or yourself in case you had a few beers with that turkey. Anyway, that is all behind us. What we have here ahead of us is our first Patriots game in two weeks, as you know. We've had uh, some fun here in the pod Patriots games. We had the blobble between the Pats and Commanders a couple weeks ago. After that, it was the I'm only here so I don't get fined bowl against the Colts, which you almost wanted to take the fine after 10-6. to 6, But God help us, we have the 3-8 Patriots uh, the 2-8 Patriots, forgive me, against the 3-8 Giants in a game that you are only watching if you are from New England or New Jersey. And first of all, we thank you for that. We do have fun here on the podcast because you just you just got to laugh through it with a season like this. Uh, but we are thankful, as we should be every day, not just on Thanksgiving, to have football to talk about and to watch some more. Seven more to go for the Patriots. And in starting with you know our preview episode here, we'll get back to the, the regular format. It's just me today. Spit it out. The Patriots have the ball. The Giants have the ball. 3-2-1 breakdown. I have a mailbag tagged at the end of this because with just me, it's going to be naturally a little bit shorter. I know the reflex is to go, I hope they lose. You want a better draft pick? A worse record? A loss? Sunday helps that cause. Here's the thing. As I spit it out now, what this game is about for the Patriots is nothing to do with draft position. Because you go into that locker room, no grown-ass man in there or on the coaching staff, or in the front office, is intent or has any idea of tanking. Because in a season like this, you're out for your own. Okay, The coaches are trying to keep a culture in place. The players are trying to put positive tape on. So in case they need a new team or a new job, they at least look good amid all this mess and this muck. So what they want is to show that they're better than the record says they are. Whether that's a player-by-player basis or the team as a whole. Because if you lose to the New York Giants... The 3-8 New York Giants, who are the only team in the league that is bottom six on offense, defense, and special teams by DVOA, you just might be the worst team in the NFL. That is what this game is about. No, I think I I probably just surpassed my 30-second self-imposed time limit here, but the Patriots are three-and-a-half-point road favorites, okay? In a neutral site, that means they are supposed to be six points better than the Giants, all right? They have the third worst point differential behind only the Giants, and I think it's Carolina. The Giants have the worst. Again, slice it however you want. The Giants are the worst team in the league. Losing to them puts you into that hole where they are looking down on you. Maybe Carolina or Arizona as well. That's what this week is about. We have a long way to go to the draft. If you want to root for the Patriots to lose, I get it. I'm not going to argue against it. You do whatever you need to do. Without breaking any laws or common decency to get through the rest of the season, power to you. But we're not there yet where you're angling for draft position because there's there's just too much football left to go. Seven games to go. This is one out of seven. We're going to be about 14% or whatever it is the way there after Sunday. And as much as the head-to-head matters, strength of schedule and your final record matters a lot more than that. And uh, there's just, God, there's a long way to go. So this is about where you are now, whether you're players, coaches, or fans. Do you want to be a part of the worst team in the league? I don't think so. That's what this is about. Okay, let's talk about the Giants. They are, as I mentioned, 3-8. and eight. Their last four, 31-19 upset win 
at Washington. Before that, a 49-17 loss at Dallas. Before that, 30-6 loss at Vegas. The uh, fighting Antonio Pierce's took it to him in Pierce's debut as a head coach for the Raiders. And before that, a loss at quote-unquote home uh, against the Jets, where the Giants just puked that loss away, as I mentioned, by a field goal at the end, when Zach Wilson really shouldn't have a chance to come back. Uh, Zach Wilson out of a job, which says, again, a lot about the Giants losing to Zach Wilson in a rain-soaked game. So that's how they got to 3-8. and eight. When the Patriots have the ball on Sunday, again, none of these numbers are good. So if you want to fast forward through the ads and all the way to the mailbag, we're going to tackle some bigger picture questions. I get it, but bear with me. I've done the research. We have football. Let's talk about it. When the Patriots have the ball, they are 26th on offense by DVOA. The Giants are 27th on defense by DVOA. Again, a couple of bottom 10 units battling it out. What you need to know about the Giants, uh, Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, this man would blitz his grandmother in a wheelchair if he had the opportunity. They bring pressure when they should. They bring pressure when they shouldn't. They bring pressure when they're playing. They bring pressure when they're practicing. They bring pressure when they're walking through the mall. The Giants blitz about 40% of the time, okay? It's actually 36.9, tied with the Patriots. But their roster says they absolutely should not. What the roster says they should do, however, features two defensive linemen. Number one, Dexter Lawrence. This man is a monster. Uh, draft crush of mine. Oh, this is testing me. Circa 2019. He goes to the Giants first round pick. I think this was Dave Gettleman's second to last first round pick. Uh, whatever it is. He's six foot four, 340 pounds. Pro bowler last year. All pro. Second team all pro uh, as well. This season has four sacks. Dozens of pressures, which you never see from a nose tackle. But he's really made his money early in his career as being a two-down player. And he's a three-down player now, but he is the second-highest-graded run stuffer among defensive tackles at Pro Football Focus. The man is a load. The man is a problem. The Patriots' game plan starts with, don't let him wreck the game. And I know this because David Andrews, uh, who has the pleasure, the privilege of blocking this six foot four, 340-pound man, basically all game, said on Tuesday, with a guy like that, you just have to prevent him from wrecking the game. So that'll be the goal. We'll see how they do. The other defense alignment to watch is Kayvon Thibodeau, another, another former first-round pick. He's a defensive end uh, at Oregon, uber-athletic, underwhelmed a little bit as a rookie, was dinged up as well. But this season, 10 and a half sacks. So if Bleep hits the fan early for the Patriots in New Jersey, it will be because of these two. A sack, a forced fumble, whatever it might be. But Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau, are two few bright spots for the Giants where the Patriots need to take care of the ball. Uh, as for their back seven, Bobby Okariki, a linebacker's four forced fumbles. Their latest first-round pick, Deontay Banks, a corner out of Maryland, which, you know, for the draft folks out there, uh, many of you thought he would go to the Patriots. I considered it back away at the last second, but he's been fine. He's been starting every game there. This is a man-heavy scheme. I'm going to look to the same spots if you're the Patriots uh, that we've looked really for the last three, four weeks. Demario Douglas and your tight ends. Because I still think there, there are a lot of things wrong with me, and this is one of them, that the Patriots have an advantage when they throw over the middle of the field. That's where Mac lives. That's where Mac needs to live. We talked a lot about Mac and Bailey Zappi in the last episode of Mike Giardi, so if you're wondering where we haven't gotten to them, that's basically why. But when he's in trouble, he's going to look there. And that's where uh, Kasicki lives, and Henry lives, and Demario Douglas, who still, when he takes the field, the Patriots are averaging almost a yard more per play than when anyone else is on the field. The only guy ahead of him is Farrell Brown because, I mean, it's, it's a big play Farrell Brown. What are you going to do? So that's that. The names to know, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, 
Fabio Kariki is forcing fumbles basically as well as anyone else in the league, but they, they can't cover, they can't rush, they don't stop the run. And so if you're the Patriots, in addition to looking for Kasiki and Henry over the middle and Pop Douglas, who, again, is separating, getting yards after the catch, just get the little guy the ball and let him go to work, is you need to pound the rock in this game. Because the Patriots, and I've said it now for weeks, have one of the most efficient run games in the entire league. And this is a game where you just tell the quarterback, get the hell out of the way. We can run on this run defense, which by EPA is 27th, meaning bottom six in the league. By DVOA, I think it's 28th. Like, however you cut it, the Giants stink, aside from Dexter Lawrence. So double-team Dexter Lawrence handed off to Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. They are third in EPA and second in the entire NFL in success rate over the last five weeks. And when you go all the way back to week two, starting with that loss to Miami, the Patriots running game has generated better results by EPA than when they try to throw the ball. So we can quibble with the oh, second best rushing offense in the league last five weeks, small sample size, yada, yada. Opponents aren't that good. Okay, fine. You can't argue with nine out of 10 games. And nine out of 10 games this season is telling you rushing the ball in the modern league, the pass app, the NFL, you are better off having the quarterback hand the ball to remind Reece Stevenson or Ezekiel Elliott than keeping it in his hands. This cannot be um, an exception to that against the Giants, who, again, can't cover, can't block, can't do anything. And this is a simple game. Hand it off. Hand it off again. Hand it off a third time. And if you have to punt, that's not surrendering. In this game, it is a privilege to then be able to hand it off later on. Because as we move on to when the Giants have the ball, they stink on defense. They stink even worse on offense. 32nd by DVOA. That's last in the league. Patriots, meanwhile, in defense are 14th. Um, again, we could do the names to know, but here's here's the whole show for the Giants offense. It's Saquon Barkley. Okay. I covered Saquon in college. The natural talent is as good as any back you'll have seen in the league the last 15, 20 years. The trouble is, dating back to high school, Saquon has not had a good offensive line to create holes for him. And so he gets into some bad habits. And those habits are the same bad habits that you saw from his idol. If you've ever heard Saquon speak, he's talking about Barry Sanders. Now, he loved how Barry created something out of nothing. Again, one of the greatest of all time. But Barry also took a lot more runs for negative yards than any back of his era or most back since. Saquon does the same thing. So all averaged out together, he's averaging 4.3 yards per carry and has one touchdown this season. And this is despite the fact that after missing three games this year, he's still taken 105 more carries than anyone else on the roster. Running backs, quarterbacks, anybody. So they are feeding him there. He's also one of their most targeted players in the passing game. And that is especially because they now have an undrafted rookie at quarterback, Tommy DeVito who we could talk about how he looks like they pulled him straight from the extras out of the Sopranos or that he still lives at home and his mom does his laundry. I'm not kidding. And cooks his food. But the thing the Patriots should care about is that after they actually had him at the Shrine Bowl, and I speaking to a couple people this week, um, Patriots weren't that high on Tommy DeVito. He's willing to sling it downfield in a way that's a little bit reckless. But when you look at his numbers overall, 61.3% completion percentage, 506 yards, six touchdowns, three picks. For a guy who couldn't win the starting job at Syracuse, then had to transfer and is now undrafted third-string quarterback in the league, that's pretty damn good. And that's better than what you've been getting. But setting him aside, the whole focus here has to be Barkley. And you're going to understand as the Patriots that Brian Dable, 
who gave you fits as the offensive coordinator with the Bills, even beat you once as the OC with Cleveland, I think in 2016. Um, now that's when Brady came back and beat the breaks out the Bills, uh, the, the Browns. One of those years when he was with Eric Mangini, like the guy knows how to stick it to Bill in a little bit different way. He's going to use Barkley as a decoy. That's fine because he can't do that the entire game. And when you look at your matchups across the board, Patriots get J.C. Jackson back this week. Obviously not been great, missed a trip to Germany, whatever. Their talent level outside between him and Jonathan Jones is still better than what the receiving talent is for the Giants. Darius Slayton is their leading receiver, 419 yards. He had a long 60-yard touchdown against Washington. Wondell Robinson is in the slot. Second-year player, former second-round pick at a Kentucky, kind of jitterbug type. That's it. And not only do you have an edge in the secondary, that's it's pretty decided. Up front, I think guys like Dietrich Wise, I think Josh Uche, are going to bounce back in a way that you don't normally see. Because <laughs> this offensive line is getting the same, I'll say actually less production than the Patriots offensive line is. And they have invested way more draft capital, the Giants have, into this line than the Patriots did in their own line. Again, this team cannot block. They have an undrafted rookie quarterback throwing passes. And they have an excellent running back. So just by process of elimination of going, okay, where are our problems? Again, defense starts with Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau. Understandable. This is one guy. And that's where the game plan has to be about. So again, I think you'll get the Giants in obvious passing situations. And he'll have some trick plays. Belichick talked about this on Tuesday. We're going to hit it in the, in the keys here in a second. Whatever happens outside of Saquon Barkley, you have to live with. Because the reason the Giants won at Washington, because Saquon Barkley had a field day. That can't happen Sunday, or you will lose. As we said, risk being the worst team in the NFL. Okay, so we've all seen the Patriots struggle to score this season. That has been no secret. But I have something new for you. And that is the fact that you at home or walking the dog or at the gym or grocery shopping, you yourself can score this season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, $150. If you pick a team and that team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you've heard me talk about them a lot. There is no better time than right now to get in on the action because the app is super easy to use. And if you don't like picking straight up winners, you could go with point spreads or player props over unders and tons and tons more. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and open up the NFL season on your terms with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts must be 21 year older and present in the state in order to bet. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay. 3-2-1 breakdown very quickly, and then we get to the mailbag. Uh, three keys. Trick plays. Belichick volunteered this on Tuesday, which sometimes is intentional, right? Leverage the media, get a message out there to either throw an opponent off the scent or get something through to the players. I think the man was just being honest, going, Brian Dable's done this before with his hands tied behind his back. Again, I mentioned in Buffalo, before he molded Josh Allen into one of the best weapons in the entire league, he dealt with Derek Anderson on a Monday night game, Bills Patriots, October 2018. 
and was running wildcat. He was going no huddle. They had double passes. That's a similar situation. And so when Brian Dable is backed against the wall, he's going to reach down into his bag of trips as much as you can. And this could be more no huddle. It could be trick plays. It could be anything. Anything unconventional is on the table. So if you're the Patriots, you just need to be aware of that because that's how you spring a leak in your defense is having bad eyes or taking a bad angle or anything else that could break down fundamentally, which they've done this season. Again, still an above average defense, 14th by DVOA. But if the Giants get a chance to make you look foolish, that's how you lose this game quickly. It's not just Barkley. It's some of the scheme plays that we know Brian Dable is going to pull out. Number two, uh, play boring offense. This is, again, this is simple. Punting does not mean quitting on Sunday. This is the rare game. You should be completely fine with punting, okay? This is just a temporary breather for Ramondre Steven and Ezekiel Elliott until they go back to denting the Giants' defensive line. Let it happen. It's so much better than a turnover or a sack because that'll lead to the field position game where, again, this is going to be a battleground game, but you know, a battleground for two teams that are trying to play the same game. And if you win playing boring offense, run, 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 screen, slant, flat throw, whatever it might be, that's fine. Do not speed up in a way and try to force something that gives guys like Thibodeau and Lawrence a chance to turn the game around. Because again, Barkley, trick plays, and those two guys are the way that they win. Play boring, play patient, and you'll get out of there with a win. Last key, uh, tackle well. This kind of ties into what we just talked about. Fundamental, uh, fundamentals on defense, with your eyes, with your leverage, just wrap up. I mean, but Barkley's outstanding in space. He'll lower his pads. But when he tries to bounce and turn short gains into long runs, that's where, again, if you wrap up, you'll get those negative plays because they're going to come. He's going to try to do too much. Like I said, saw it at Penn State all three years he was there, and he's had to do it again because they're not natural rushing lanes. So as long as you wrap up, they will give you negative plays that will lead to the end of drives. Two matchups. Uh, I mentioned one of these already. David Andrews versus Dexter Lawrence. Andrews, of course, is going to have help, as you would hope any center would, be it from Cole Strange uh, or... City Sal, second matchup, Kyle Duggar. Because Kyle Duggar has been at the center of some miscommunications that you saw really going back to the Dallas game and then a little bit against New Orleans. And then you saw an allowed touchdown at Vegas. And the Patriots have largely cleaned these up since, but it is no accident that the Colts had their best drive when they went no huddle out of the gate. And part of that was to keep the Patriots' nine personnel on the field, and they can keep running and running and running like they did eight straight times with Jonathan Taylor. But it's also to force the secondary to communicate. And even though the Patriots are giving up the same rate of explosive plays to the passing game this year as they did a year ago with Devin McCourty, there, there's something here that just doesn't feel right. And in a way that I think a guy like Devin McCourty, with all of his smarts, and all of his experience playing free safety could kind of keep that defense together that Duggar's not been able to do. And it's not just him. I mean, they'll rotate Jabril Peppers back there. Jalen Mills on passing downs will play free safety. But Kyle Duggar needs to win his matchup against Tommy DeVito. Because, if again, if Tommy DeVito, with the help of Brian Dable, is fooling one of the Patriots' best defenders, who's back there disguising coverage, making checks, making calls, changing assignments, the Patriots are in big trouble. So you need to neutralize their biggest asset in Dexter Lawrence. And you need to ensure that your advantage with a safety and a player of Duggar's caliber wins against little Tommy DeVito, um, that that holds steady. Because you, you should really be able to get to bait Tommy DeVito into a pick 
or force him to hold the ball a little too long for a strip sack or make some sort of dumb decision that really swings this game. Just wait him out and make sure that you you keep your upper hand. You're walking into this game, again, facing an undrafted kid, rookie, who couldn't cut it at Syracuse. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, one thought. This is a 3-2-1 wild card. So we spent a lot of time talking about Belichick's next destinations. And I threw out, I don't know if I did in the podcast, but I did in a recent column, uh, including the one talking about Mac losing faith in the locker room, that the Giants could be a potential landing spot. And it would take impatience from ownership, which they've shown before. Yeah, we did talk about this actually last week in the pod. I just think those zooming out as we go through the time he's faced the commanders or it's the Cowboys or the Giants, maybe he goes to any one of them. There's something poetic about the schedule this season and it likely being Belichick's last year. Like you start with the last team to beat you in the Super Bowl. You get in the second game a team that has been a thorn in your side in Miami and you can't close. But you still get to beat the Jets because you always beat the Jets. The Patriots have not lost to the Jets since 2015. And then it's a row of more NFC East opponents, Belichick's old foes and rivals. And maybe he goes back and joins them or he doesn't. This is really just a half-baked thought and idea, but hey, that's what the wild card segment is for. I just think there, there's something here that will be written and maybe in a couple of weeks or discussed as we talked about that there's a flow to this season that's a little more interesting storytelling-wise than we've been able to explore because we've just been sinking into the muck of 2-8 and eight, uh, for the last month, month and a half. So uh, that is the siren if you can hear it outside my apartment for us to get to the mailbag. So let's do that. Handful of questions here, and we will get out of here. Oh, and then we'll get my game pick. Boston GM, right off the top. Quote, speaking of Bill, if Bill does go coach another team this offseason, wouldn't he take all of the assistant coaches with him? He's effectively the GM. Could he take the entire personnel department with him? Uh, and he goes on to give some commentary. You know, it could be difficult for a guy like Mayo, build a future staff, yada, yada. So here's the thing. People underrate this part of the conversation whenever talking about coaching changes. The coaches have contracts just like the players. Okay, when Bill O'Brien came in, and Adrian Clem came in, they had set multi-year deals that said, this expires here. And so just like the players who know, hey, I'll hit free agency in 2025 or whenever it might be, they do the same thing. So if Belichick wants to take them, they'll have to either break their contract, which is possible, again, just like, just like the player. Um, but if the team doesn't want to let them go, the team doesn't have to. And so there's agency in here for the coaches in the same way that there is the players, not only just because of their contract, but let's say, let's say the whole staff is up, which is not true. I can tell you that for a fact. I'm not positive. All of these assistants want to go with Bill because of what they've endured the last three, four seasons. And it's not just the losing. It's him having his hand in all of the dysfunction in mass last year with the offense and handling things this season where you know, they've kept the, the boat pretty steady, but two and eight is two and eight, man. So if you're going somewhere else to start over and he's going to have full power again to pick and refine and round out a roster like he's had here in New England, why exactly are you jumping to do that if you have other options? And that's the last part. It's not just the contract that might keep you here or guys might not want to follow him. What are your other options? And following Belichick might be the best one. But I think what you would see if and when this does happen is some guys will stay because they want to. Some guys will stay because they don't have any other options. And some guys will leave because they think it is their best option. And talking to other friends around the league, other places that clean house, is there an opening there? Could there be an interview? Like you're only going to leave for something certain. And so they might stay because of the contract or because they just look around and go, 
I don't want to go to Washington or the Chargers or wherever Bill might go. Um, so it's, it's, it's more complicated than we just Bill leaves and takes everyone with him. I, I think it's safe to say, though, if he does leave, uh, Steve Belichick and Brian Ch- Belichick will go. But anyone else who might be a little bit tighter with Gerard and Bill? Probably a good chance they stay. B is asking, quote, if we, meaning the Patriots, missed on Caleb Williams and Drake May, would you go for a quarterback in the first round or enter the season with a bridge quarterback? Uh, I'm all in on the quarterback. I've said this many, many times. The only reliable place on planet Earth, and reliable meaning really just 30 to 40% success rate, where you can find a franchise quarterback is the top 10 of the draft. That's it. Like anywhere else, you are throwing darts. You are saying prayers, and that's it. And yeah, sometimes you get a Dak Prescott in the fourth round, or as we all know, Tom Brady in the sixth, or guys in the second. But if you really want to give yourself the best chance, you take the quarterback. And it is so worth it to invest in a guy, build him around him, grow, and give him the time to develop, not only because that's the right way to handle any player, but that cost-controlled contract, as I just talked about with Brian Barrett from The Ringer, like you look at all the quarterbacks to be in the Super Bowl the last 10, 11 years, half of them were on rookie deals. And it's not because Jared Goff is like some sort of all-star. He's playing great right now. But you're able to build a team around him that allows that quarterback to thrive with the extra money that you have. It's not, a, it's not a giant secret, but you want to be able to build up that quarterback on his own because of his raw talent and the flexibility it affords you. So Marvin Harrison Jr. might be a future Hall of Famer like Jeff, Jeff Howe said, I don't know how many times on this podcast last week, but the quarterback is the most important thing. And the first thing you have to take care of when building a team or really in any business is the most important thing. Next up, uh, th- this is the handle. I, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. The Patriots are trash has sent me three questions, um, two of which were, I think, is Belichick going to go? I'm on the record. I do. Who are they going to take at number four? I don't know. I don't even know if they'll have the number four pick. And I'll just get ahead of this now. He asked, or she, or they, uh, who you got this Sunday? Well, the Patriots are trash. I have the trash. I think the Patriots win 13-9. There it is, my game pick. Ed, Quote, will it be considered hitting rock bottom for the season if the Patriots do lose to a Giants team with Tommy DeVito at quarterback? (sighs) This is a loaded question. Because here's the thing. If they do lose, I'm running out of headlines for my film review, (laughs) which the last one was why the Patriots lost in Germany may not have been rock bottom. So yes, I think it can get worse. But here's the thing. You played the Chargers and then the Steelers. And the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Bills and the Jets. And I get that all those teams are better than the Patriots. But let's say you get housed in Denver or the Jets stick it to you at home by like 20. I get that's the end of the season. Maybe you don't care at that point. But there's something about a 20-point loss to the Jets at home to end the Belichick era. That, I think, has to be considered rock bottom. As bad as this would be. It's, uh, I don't know. I think we'll know when we get there, though. We'll know it when we see it. Jeff, uh, a non-Keishan Booty question. Jeff, I am proud of you, my friend. Quote, uh, this is like the kiss, Mary kill version of the Patriots 2024 offseason, which I didn't know was the thing. He is asking, quote, sign one to a multi-year deal, franchise tag another, and let two walk in free agency. He lists four players. Michael Wenu, Trent Brown, Kyle Duggar, Hunter Henry. Again, Unwenu, Trent Brown, Kyle Duggar, Hunter Henry, sign one to a multi-year deal, 
franchise tag another, let two walk in free agency. So this is a good question. For the franchise tag, I'm inclined to just to say nobody. And if we change this to a one-year deal, I'm signing Trent Brown to the one-year deal. Uh, because we all know Trent Brown plays his best when he's in a contract year. But if it is a franchise tag, and you insist on this, Jeff, I will go with Kyle Duggar because it's a lower number for safeties than most other positions. And secondarily, I think he's closer to being among the best at his position than any of these other players. The other one I'm signing to a multi-year deal, Mike Unwenu, and then he is my starting right tackle uh, for the next however many years. And the other two, Hunter Henry and Trent Brown, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. They're the oldest players in this group. I don't think Hunter Henry's provided much beyond replacement level uh, play at tight end as much as he's been a captain and kind of a pillar of the locker room, which is great. It's nice. But I think you're going to have a better time finding a replacement for those guys. And you have to keep one of the tackles. So, hey, if you if you want, if you at home want to keep Trent Brown over Michael Manu, fine. But I'm tagging Duggar and I'm signing Michael Manu. All right, we have two more. Patriots STH 1969. Nice. I, I have to assume. I, I, I think I've asked this on the pod. That must mean season ticket holder. Uh, if not, please reply and explain. Quote, in addition to injuries coming into the combine, Keishan Booty suddenly became a problem child when one AFC executive wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Other than his free me tweet while in exile, have you heard anything bad about Keishan's practice habits? I'm sick of wasted youth. End quote. I have not. So I'm sorry if Keishan Booty is more wasted youth in your mind. In my mind, I am sick of talking about 2020 Keishan Booty. Because it's just like any one of your friends or family members bragging about what kind of great shape they were in during the pandemic. Hey, we all had time on our hands during the pandemic. Some of us got into great shape. Others did not. And Keishawn Booty had an amazing season at LSU that will never be taken away. But that means less by the day. And it means so much less that I couldn't care any less about it. And he has not been that same player since that season. And so I'm not so worried about the off-field stuff. I'm looking at the talent right now. Which, as you mentioned, yeah, he was a little banged up at the combine, but not wholly so. We didn't really see any of that burst this summer. Or honestly, in the preseason, that slant touchdown might be the best slash worst thing to ever happen to him. Because it was a horrible angle. A slant against soft coverage and the safety runs right by him. He goes to the house. Congrats. Good touchdown. I've talked about this before. But I know he's had good practices. I know that for a fact. And I just think his talent, in their eyes, maybe they're wrong. I'll give you that. Isn't as good as anyone else's in that receiver room. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I, I just, he's not giving me a whole lot of reason to believe. And anyone else who wants to bring up the LSU stuff, I'm just, I'm done. I'm over. Last one, Fuad. Uh, hey, Andrew, quote, I've always wondered if the Crafts have football people uh, connections outside of the Belichick realm and when and if they sever ties at the end of the season. Uh, who they ask when it comes to who should be the next head coach slash GM will be after being together at the hip. Okay, I'm going to clean this up. Do they have football people they talk to and could consult when discussing who to hire for the next head coach or GM? I think that's what the question's getting at. Yes, they do. Uh, because the Crafts, you'll remember, hired Pete Carroll before they hired Bill Belichick. And they have, of course, been in the NFL now going on 30 years. So they have people outside of Belichick whom they will discuss and consult and speak with about matters like this. Now, do they take their recommendations over their own experience, dealing with people like Gerard Mayo or perhaps Bill O'Brien or Elliot Wolf in the front office? Probably not. 
They're smart businessmen. They presided over the greatest 20-year run in NFL history. I'm sure they are very confident in their ability to pick people for the head coach and general manager position. But yeah, of course they do. And I think people are eager to speak with the crafts. Now, can I give you specific names? No, but I know they have just about as many connections as any other ownership group in the NFL. Should that comfort you? Maybe, maybe not. Again, I don't know how much they're even going to put those to use because they love Gerard Mayo. Bill O'Brien is under a multi-year contract to be here. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back, perhaps in the same role. And as for the front office, it's a really interesting question. But I think the other person they're going to consult with, who I guess counts as being in the Belichick realm, if he's the head coach, will be Gerard Mayo. And not in a way that says, hey, pick your GM. You'll, you'll be in charge. That's it. But just, we want you to be on the same page as someone else. And they'll probably have their list. And Gerard will have his. And if that's the way they go, moving forward with him as a head coach, you know, we're... The overlap is there, and the Venn diagram is going to be very interesting. And honestly, probably the most interesting question we have right now. But again, that all assumes Belichick will be done, Gerard Mayo comes in, and that's the way they want to move. Uh, but maybe things change. Because <laughs> I said at the outset, we have a long way to go, not only just to the draft, uh, but until then, which will be about mid-January, talking about two more months. So again, hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving. Patriots-Giants, Sunday at 1 o'clock. We will be back on our regularly scheduled Monday night podcast with some film notes and some thoughts and mailbag. And then a preview for the game after that, Pat's Chargers, which I don't know what we're going to nickname that one. Not the Blah Bowl. Not that I'm not just here so I can get Fine Bowl. This is the, uh, this is, you come up with a name. You let me know. Okay. We'll see you later.